Hello there, welcome to a delayed episode 96 of Nevermind the Bullens, it's your bite-sized Everton podcast and vodcast, I'm Mike Peters. Um, apologies for not managing to get to uh, get an episode out uh, after the Leicester game uh, last Wednesday night, but um, cricketing commitments have uh, meant that uh, you know the, the two games, the Leicester game and the Derby, have managed to bookend Lancashire's magnificent innings victory over Gloucestershire uh, at 10 minutes Old Trafford, where I was residing for the previous four days. So that's at least given me some uh, cheer in my cup, because uh, uh, there's not a lot, really to be uh, positive about from Everton. There are certain things, um, but um, when you're sat in the bottom three with six games of the season to go, um, having dropped in there as a result of Burnley managing to pick up two consecutive wins and uh, you know panic stations are starting to set in. Um, so let's deal with the games in, in chronological order. Um, the Leicester game on Wednesday night, uh, just a very passive performance. Again, it was, it was reminiscent of the game against Wolves, which was the sort of really the absolute low point of what's been a pretty low season all round um, in terms of the, the players' attitude to the game and their just sort of tentativeness on, on the ball and all the rest of it and just unwillingness to put a foot in or commit or show or, or, or show any sort of that fight and desire and all the rest of it that we've been crying out for. And we have seen in, you know, smidgen sort of little shafts of it have been spotted throughout the season at various points. We sort of set up in the same way that we did against United, but Leicester are much more positive on the ball, passed the ball really well, uh, but we allowed them to do that. By trying to play that low block um, and just having a completely sort of static really midfield in terms of Fabian Delph and Allen were just it was just too um too static too still there was nobody no dynamism in the midfield uh and you're thinking to yourself right these two yeah it worked against United but it just didn't work uh where we got sort of got the bit of the look that we didn't work against Leicester that said you know we had the best chances of the game by far um, Richarlison has that chance in the first half where he somehow manages to put it wide of the, the post, put it back across the goal and wide of the post. Don't know how he did that. He's seven yards out. He's got a score. Um, and then has a, a completely free header six yards out in the second half, which comes off his shoulder. So he had enough clear chances to win that game and then some. Um, but it didn't look like we were going to get anything out of it. Um, Frank Lampard rolls the dice, brings on Deli Ali. Uh, you can see again, you know, Deli Ali. People going, oh, you know, he's done nothing. You know, he's just. Uh. But I mean, this is not what he's best suited for. This is not. I mean, he's the player we want, but not necessarily the player we need in our current situation. That said, he did help create the goal. You know, showed a couple of flashes of how good he actually is. It was a lovely little drop of the shoulder and uh, change of direction, which flummoxed a couple of the Leicester players, and suddenly he was gone. So there's undoubtedly an asset in, in that player, in him. Um, but the simple fact of it is, we've got to be in the Premier League to, to, to make use of him. Um, and that is hanging ever more precariously, our, our Premier League status, our treasured Premier League and top-light status. You know, Um but given the way that we played on on Wednesday night, you have to say that we take a point um, because that's probably all we deserved. Despite you know protestations saying we should have won the game, Frank Lampard came out and said it. Well, we had the chances to win it, but actually our overall performance was not good enough. Um, must mention Vitaly Mikolenko. I think was who's, who's getting better game by game. I was a bit unsure of him a couple of episodes of uh, this podcast ago and said that well actually you know there is mitigation there and he's really stepped up. He was he was terrific on. Um, Wednesday night and he was excellent again in the derby yesterday his defensive uh, work was really really good his attacking work still needs work um, 
because his delivery from uh, crosses is, is not brilliant. Uh, I thought Damari Gray was poor on Wednesday night as well. He's flattered to deceive since since Christmas, although, again, he was better in the derby. And, you know, thinking, well, actually, it's a game we needed to have won because, and particularly given Burnley then beating Southampton on Thursday night and then winning Wolves uh, on Sunday, you're thinking, well, actually, you know, that, that that's a game we had to have won. However... Look at it the other way and go. Well, if you've been offered four points from the games against United and Leicester at home, would you have taken that? And the answer is, in our current situation, probably yes. A win and a draw, you go, yeah, okay, fine, move on. But having won against United and then that obviously had that break, which was mentioned in, in Frank Lampard's program notes, you're thinking, well, actually, sort of any momentum that we've had did sort of fizzle out. That, but but it did stop the you know win a game, lose a game, sort of. Um, back and forth seesaw that we've had all season by actually managing to, I say string some results together, that's or string two together in terms of not winning the game and then immediately losing the next one. However, of course, we did lose at Anfield, um, which I think we all just accepted was inevitable. And I think it would have been less of an issue had we won uh, against Leicester on, um, on, on, th- on Wednesday. Having said that, we would have ended up in the bottom three no matter what, because we'd have only had another two points and Burnley's goal difference is now better than ours, which I'm sure has swung quite dramatically over the last few weeks because we were, I think, several goals ahead of them, maybe four or five weeks ago. I'm sure somebody will correct me on that if you want to, at NMTVPod on Twitter or NMTVPod at gmail.com. thought I'd say it now rather than at the end, but I'll probably say it at the end anyway. Um, so we would have been in the bottom three given their two uh, results uh, on goal difference rather than being two points adrift of them. Um and obviously, we go into the derby with, uh, you know, next to zero expectations, which is pretty standard for Everton at Anfield over the last couple of decades. Um, but you're just thinking, well, and it's a partly how we're playing, but partly how good Liverpool are. There's no getting away from that fact. They're an exceptional team. Saw that on Tuesday night, the way they absolutely pulverised Manchester United. Um and you're going into it thinking, right, well, we just need to try and come out of it with some semblance of credibility and a little bit of positivity from the performance. And you have to say, we probably got that. Um, in the first half, we defended well. We were tackling. There was tenacity on the ball. There was, you know, all of those hallmarks of fight and, gr- and grit that, we, that have been sorely lacking for so much of the season. And we... We showed that, and you just and that's the, the tremendous frustration I imagine of everybody not only in the Anfield Road and watching, but also everybody watching. I'm going, this is all Evertonians watching at home. We've watched us this season. Going, why can't we show that every game? Because I said, and I said because I was still at Old Trafford trying to half watch the cricket and half watch the game as Lancashire trying to eke out the last couple of Gloucestershire wickets, but. You're thinking, if we'd played like that against Leicester, if we played with that same desire and work rate and energy, because when we changed the tempo against Leicester, we created chances. We created opportunities. And if we played like that, we'd have won on Wednesday night. No question at all in my mind. Uh, and we just think, and, that's, and that is the frustration, because they know we know the players have it within us to be able to, to do that. Uh, Adelaide Decore coming back in was the right call was more dynamic in midfield, um, carried the ball, had a chance, you know, well, sort of a decent half chance, let's say, in the first half when he was put through and gets himself a bit in a bit of the wrong position. One poor touch knocks it slightly away from him and, he, you know, drags the shot across the um, across Allison's goal. And obviously, you know, was prepared to go in for tackles. There was that spat with, um, uh, with uh, 
uh, Tiago uh, with uh, Fabinho where he upends him and then it all results in you know Sadio Mane attempting to gouge out Mason Holgate's eye. We'll get to all that in a minute as well. Uh, but you know we we came and we we defended with with resolve and kept our shape, hit them on the break. The tactics were right for the game, no doubt about it. Can't fault the tactics. But we just didn't take our chances. Second half, obviously Liverpool, had, by their own admission, had got involved a bit too much in the first half in all of the usual Derby shenanigans. They obviously then really pressed higher and higher uh, up the pitch and we were able to spring them. And we had two or three really presentable opportunities uh, in that final third that we just did not take. Um, and we should have had a penalty. No question at all. The Anthony Gordon, the first one, a bit of contact. He probably does simulate it. You can argue till the cows come in whether it should have been a booking or not. I think on, in this day and age, particularly there, you're going to get a booking given against you. Um, you know, we'll leave the irony of uh, you know players getting booked for diving at Anfield for another time. But the second one, uh, where Joel Matip pushes him over, um, is absolutely a penalty. And um, Stuart Atwell, who had a terrible afternoon. Uh, although he's, we've got away with one with the Richarlison challenge uh, at the at the late on. I was in the car by this stage, by the second, the second goal went in. I left and went, went home. I thought, right, I've had enough of this. It's not changing. That's all over. So I have seen that subsequently. It's not a great challenge. Richarlison's got to cut that petulance out of his game. Um, you know, but obviously his frustration, and he does care. That's obvious. We know that about him. But, you know, at times he does, he, he does go down, you know, he he's to, goes down too easily. And then he reacts. Um, and he's lucky to have got away with that because on another day, given what we saw Alan get sent off for against Newcastle um, by Craig Porson, and you know, as an aside, great to see him keeping up his consistency of absolutely woeful decision making uh, with the uh, with the uh, Manchester United Arsenal penalty uh, on Saturday of you know uh, all the rest of it. But you think he will actually he's going to get sent off, particularly with you know crowd up at Anfield and all the rest of it that you're thinking right he's going to go and if he got banned for three games we would be in a real real bind because no Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, and certainly when, if he's back next Sunday for the Chelsea game not a fit Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, and we'll, I've got to sort of deal with that issue as well where again Ben Godfrey pulls out in the warm this is after Donny van der Beek pulled out in the warm against West Ham a few weeks back I'm thinking Andre Gomez was on the bench on Wednesday night is suddenly not available. Is an, an unspecified injury. What's going on behind the scenes there with the medical team and the physios or the players? What's going on with the conditioning work and the training? Something there again, and this has gone on all season. To be fair, um, so it's not necessarily being at Frank Lampard, but and his and his team. Um, but something's seriously missed there, either with what the players are doing to keep themselves ready, match ready, and all the rest of it. Or what the medical staff are doing—that has to be addressed in the summer, no matter what decision division we're in. Because, you know, the championship more games. There'll be eight more games for us to play if we end up down there next year. Because we have to deal with the. This is a very real possibility now, so we have to make sure that we we have the players that are fit enough to play in all those matches, and I'll be able to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So. Um, that's that's one thing. I mean, that's that's a big blow. Although Michael Keane probably did all right. Um, we didn't def- we defended fairly well, although he was ball watching for the uh, for the first goal, Michael Keane, um, as the ball got nodded back across. Um, sorry for the second goal. I should say for the Divock Origi goal. Um, he was he was ball watching, um, and you know. But we've 
got ourselves in a position there to get. The, we should have had a penalty, as I said, but we've got away with one, so it's it's it swings and roundabouts. The Anthony Gordon, the second one, was an absolute carbon copy of a penalty we did get there when we managed to get a one-one draw uh, in, uh, under Sam Allardyce back in. Uh, early 2018, where Dominic Calvert-Lewin was flattened by Dejan Lovren. An identical one. And also the penalty that we got there when we won there last season, which was scored by Gilfie Singleton. I noticed, by the way, I've got to mention him because he is still a player, that he was completely expunged from the highlights that Sky showed before the game. They just showed the Richarlison goal and didn't show his. Yeah, You can't change history no matter what is going on there, but, you, you know, bizarre. Anyway, um, We've got to talk about Sky in, in a minute as well and their coverage. Um, but, yeah, you know, a 2-0 two, a two is not a, you know, how can I put this? this? is going to sound a bit of an oxymoron, but a creditable defeat and a creditable performance. And we have to carry that forward. We have to look at it and say, we've been beaten by a team that is challenging for the, the title, more than likely going to win the FA Cup, has won the League Cup, has got a very good chance of, at the very least, getting to the Champions League final. You know, they could win the quadruple, losing 2-0 and and matching them for an hour or over an hour is is not not a disgrace by any stretch of the imagination. You just have to hold your hands up as a football sport and say, you know what, we've been beaten by a better, better team and they are a better team. There is no question of that. Um, and there's a piece in The Guardian that Jonathan Liu wrote, which some of it I agree with, some of it I don't agree with, in terms of the, you know, the chasm between where we're at. And it's just the thing is where our respective sort of focuses are. Our focus last season was on finishing in the top four, top six. You know, theirs was in the title. But it's gone so wrong in the last eight, nine months that obviously our, our paths of the respective clubs have diverged so dramatically. Theirs has stayed the same and ours has just gone completely off at a tangent and that has to be addressed. But there obviously are far more fundamental issues within the club that need to be dealt with as we've talked about, you know, an infinitum on this podcast over the last few months. But I was asked to stop doing these rants a while ago so I haven't done one, but I'm going to have to because I can't not mention this. Um... Stuart Atwell's performance was woeful. How he got the game, I don't know. Um, he's just inability to manage the game. The Anthony Gordon penalty instance, he just was guessing um, uh, because he was so far off. And you look, the camera stuck on him for ages as he sort of thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and then eventually gave a goal kick. Um, and, you know, it, it, it takes a certain type of referee, which are in ever much more short supply, to be able to deal with fixtures like that you know North London Derby Manchester Derby you know United Liverpool um, those games and there has to be people that I'd be able to manage those games I just don't think he's one of them there's very few probably only Michael Oliver Martin Atkinson probably as well I'm struggling to think of anybody else don't say Chris Kavanagh he can't do it as he's proved Um so that has to be looked at by the PGMOL in terms of looking at referees that have got the gumption and the and the and the spine to be able to deal with all of that and just be calm and 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 deal with those you know hot matches like that uh, with authority and calmness and he didn't do that and make the decisions whether Sadio Mane gets a, a ban in uh, retrospect for that incident uh, although he did get booked so he probably can't I don't know what the deal is now with this it keeps changing um, but that's one facet of it the bigger problem really having a poor Derby referee is pff, we've had him 
many a time. Martin Atkinson, who I alluded to, was one of them, actually, uh, down the years. But the but Sky's coverage. Um, I, I, I have mentioned Jamie Carragher on this podcast numerous times. And how... And, and this is coming from a broadcaster standpoint. There is a section in the Ofcom broadcast code which all radio and television broadcasters in this country have to adhere to. And it's about balance, bias and objectivity. Now, I have no problem with Jamie Carragher having an opinion. I have no problem with pundits having opinions. That's why they're called pundits. They have opinions. You agree with them, you disagree with them. It's entirely up to you. My problem is him and his analysis of a game is actually very good. So I'm going to say that straight off the bat. Monday Night Football still a great watch. His analysis and his co-commentary when he is not commentating on Liverpool, not an issue. He unfortunately doesn't have the chromosome that Gary Neville has, where Gary Neville can switch himself off and be fair when and look at a game in, in sort of stark relief. Now, Gary Neville will sit there and rant about United until the cows come home. He's got a lot of ammunition at the minute, let's be fair. But he is able to be comparatively dispassionate about them when they are playing. Or the same against with Manchester City. It's a, a, a mire how good City are or whoever it might be. Or Liverpool. You know, we know he's not going to like it and he grumbles about it. But that's fine. That's But ultimately, he is fair about quality of the football and the decision-making and all of the incidents within a match. Carragher doesn't have that. He proved it again yesterday. The little bit of commentary when Richarlison had his ankle trodden on, turned it nasty. He'd gone down twice before. He'd gone down early on, which was a bit soft. The one where he gets banged on the head, well, that's going to make any footballer groggy. So if a Liverpool player had gone down like that, he wouldn't have complained about it, would he? And he certainly wouldn't have then made the second comment that he made um, about it. So it, it, it's, and then to, what to compound it to not only say that, get up. I mean, it was, I have said this about him before. He's gotten form for it. He did it against, for Liverpool. I think it was against Tottenham a few years ago where Mo Salah scored very late on in the game and he gave it the iconic Mo Salah, you little dancer line. And then to compound it still further, to not only say that, but some social producers, Sky, think this is, you know, clickable content. And they put it, they tweeted it. I mean, you should be ashamed of that. You guys pay him a lot of money and you have failed to, as producers, produce and some production team and a director to say to him, Jamie, you can't do that. So it's absolutely ridiculous. I have no qualms about having a balanced you know, panel in the in the studio. Kevin Campbell was in there. Graham Sooners was in there. I didn't hear what any of them said, really, because um, I had the, most, the TV on mute for most of the afternoon. But this happens again and again. And then the Divock Origi goal. Oh, what a statue of Divock Origi. Now, it might have been slightly in jest. I get that. But it's so one-eyed. that it just, it, It's just ludicrous. And it loses Sky, who's still their coverage of um, of the Premier League, is exceptional. The, the production values are incredibly high. You know, although if they could cut down on the use of that spider cam, it's like having motion sickness or watching a Michael Bay film. It's absolutely crazy the way they use that thing but the production value is so high and it's been let down by him amongst others you know who, who come in with this with this absolute twaddle if they want to have a panel like that why couldn't they have had him 
and then had Andy Hinchcliffe, who's a regular Premier League summariser. Stuck him on and go, right, there's a lad that played for Everton for eight years. There's a guy that played for Liverpool for 15 years, what have you. Fine. That's about balance. It's that, And that is the problem that Sky have got. And I'm going to, genuinely, I'm going to do this because this has gone on for too long now. He's actually put a complaint into Ofcom about this because this is a, a fundamental issue and a, and a, in my opinion at least, and I'm sure I'll get laughed out, I'm sure you're laughing at it now, but a breach of the code, the broadcast code, in terms of what they should be doing. And they have to deal with it. Absolutely have to deal with it because you're going to have people, it's so easy now to get, you know, every Premier League game you want for basically for nothing. And Sky are going to end up losing subscribers because people are just not going to want to pay to watch that type of nonsense coverage, nonsense commentary. So, I mean, if he got it, the thing is, if he got it wrong as well with the Richarlison incident, because you could just come. Do you know what? No, I said he get up. He shouldn't. He's obviously taking a knock there. He made comments about Anthony Gordon as well, and all of these things. And it's just, it's blatant bias, and by and then on his part, and then by Sky not counteracting that. Or counterbalancing that, there is no balance and there is no objectivity. End of. It's just one man's opinion. So you might as well listen to him sat in the dog and duck with a whippet and a woodbine, drinking a pint of mild. I could get more eloquent analysis out of them than I would have out of him yesterday. So, message to Sky. Sort, pardon my friendship, but sort your shit out because this is just nonsense and it's gone on for far too long. Equally, people that need to sort out their shit, Everton, six games left, six huge games left. Obviously, uh, next up, we've got Chelsea next Sunday, which I think is a winnable game. I really do. Chelsea are a bit throw a six to start at times. They can be absolutely exceptional as they were against Southampton when they trounced them near the week. Obviously, then lost to Arsenal during the week and there was a bit of rancor there. Managed to get past West Ham on Sunday. Last minute, yes, it was very late on. It was a penalty and all the rest of it. Oh, well, it wasn't a penalty, was it? Jorginho missed it. But the late goal from Pulisic, you know, they managed to get past West Ham. But it's absolutely, if we play like that against Chelsea at home with the crowd behind us, then we can absolutely get a result, which is what we what we need to do. And then, you know, games against, obviously, Watford and, and the rest of it and to, to come. I mean, that game at Watford now is looking ever more crucial. I mean, we've lost, what, eight on the spin at home. Yeah, we've got less to be for that. But we have to go into those two games and have to get results. Uh, a draw away at Leicester will be brilliant. And we, get, and we have to win that game at Watford because they're basically done now. Um, it's in our hands. We know that. If we, win, if we can get enough wins and the fixtures, we can still get the wins. We have still got the ability. We have still got the quality. It's about showing that fighting desire. Then we can get out of the situation just. But, you know, Burnley have, have kicked on. How long that sort of kick on lasts now after getting rid of Sean Dyche? Obviously, they lost at Norwich, but then they've won the last, the last two. They've got a bit of momentum. Whether that momentum continues, we don't know. But we are in control of our own destiny here. We can't spend too much time, although I have done on this, worrying about other people. Um so it is in our hands still. So we have to keep the faith. We have to keep going and just try and be positive. And as we have done at Goodison for the last few months, get behind the team. We did that again on Wednesday against Leicester. We have to do it again next Sunday. Um, if you want to uh, uh, disagree with me, agree with me, uh, join my uh, <laughs> complaint against JP Carragher, then feel free. Uh, nmtvpod at gmail.com is the email at nmtvpod uh, on Twitter. This has been a top content production. And until the next time, keep the faith. 
Come on, you blues.